All right. Happy Friday, everyone. And we are back with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are continually exploring the landscape of learning tech while cutting through the fluff. And today I'm joined by Shannon Daniels. She's the founder and CEO of Encaptive. And we're going to be talking about all things communication, presentations, and surprisingly, I wasn't even expecting this one, one of my favorites, virtual events. So this is going to be a, a fun conversation. We're going to be talking about uh, in captive and really how this tool is helping bring this to life. So we're just getting started. If you're joining us live, go ahead, give us a thumbs up, share the post, tag in somebody who'd benefit from the conversation while we get started. And uh, while you're at it, comment in and tell us where you're joining from. I am joining from Waukesha, Wisconsin, as always, a western suburb of Milwaukee. And you told me backstage, but I, I can't. It was somewhere out out east. I do remember that. Yes. I'm joining from Stamford, Connecticut, just outside New York City. Okay, okay. And have right? How are things there? Is it is it calm? Is it quiet? You said you're like the only person in the office, right? Yeah, there's like one or two people that come in, but we all lock ourselves in our private offices, door shut. We move around with our masks on. So um, okay. it's been, actually we're one of the states that's seeing a decline in COVID, which <laughs> so, was not the case a couple months ago. So no. <laughs> not at all. good. good to, that's a good thing to be on the downswing for. Okay. Yes. So before we get started and, and dig into this stuff, all right, the, the question of the show that, that I don't know the answer yet to, but I'm looking forward to hearing this, big communicator, big presentation person, and everybody, you can join along, join in, you can share your story as well, but what was your biggest presentation? We said fail, you know, embarrassing moment, things like that. So I, I'm looking forward to hearing this one. Yeah, I'll go with embarrassing moment. I actually, it was not long after I became an entrepreneur and left the corporate world. I got booked for a series of seminars at MasterCard. And I was presenting at their Purchase New York location, but they had people um, videoed in and dialed in from St. Louis and Dubai and New York City. So there's like hundreds of people um, in the room and all over the globe tuned in. I'm up there, I'm presenting, I'm Italian, you'll notice I talk with my hands a lot. And so I'm talking with my hands, talking with my hands, and it's a packed room. And all of a sudden the clicker goes flying across the room, it hits the backboard and it bounces off and then rolls. And so I literally have to walk the full length of the room to go pick up the clicker. Everybody's watching me. And I said, you know, what, what is what would I as a communicator and a public speaking teacher and coach do? I would tell people not to get nervous, just to shake it off and roll with it, right? We're all humans, we all make mistakes. So that's what I did. I went, I picked it up, I made a joke about being Italian and talking with my hands too much. And everybody had a good laugh and moved on from it. And then I even brought it back later in the talk when I was talking about something with goals and missing your goals or failure. And I said, kind of like when you throw a remote across the room, you just get back up and you keep going. Um, so that was that was pretty embarrassing. Um, but, you know, you just got to roll with the punches. We're yeah. all human. That we're all human, right? And isn't that, well, okay, so I'll share my story too. But <laughs> these, these stories and mine's not quite, I didn't throw a clicker across the room. But there's a pretty big flub. And again, these are these things that you like, everybody's paranoid about happening when you present. So mine was, I was with an organization and I was leading, I was giving this big presentation on what our new culture meant. We were redefining our culture. So massive audience of people that had all been brought in to talk about what the culture thing is. And I'm leading up to one of these big, you know, moments that I need to really strike home what we're trying to do and, and the why and right, the whole story's building. And my brain went completely blank. I, I didn't even remember what I was talking about. I didn't remember where I was. I had no idea what I was even talking. And so I just stopped and froze. And I remember standing there and I'm like, what do I do about this? So I just owned it. And I said, I told everybody, I'm like, I completely forgot what I was going to say. I don't even remember what we were talking about. And I leaned into the person in the front and I said, can you remind me? And she did. She goes, well, you were telling us. And then it all came back. And I'm like, oh, right. And then I just picked up back where I left off. And again, everybody got a good laugh with it. Um, and what I thought was going to be this like epic fail ended up being a really vulnerable, honest moment, which ironically was one of the topics we were talking about was transparency and vulnerability. And so it actually really hit home the message that 
yeah. hey, we are, are all human. We all make mistakes. And when we do, let's just own them and move on. So, yeah. yeah, well, I think a lot of times we fear those moments. If you lean in, sometimes you can you can make the most of them. Yeah. Okay. So let's 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 get into it because I think there's a ton that we can talk about. Um, and it's funny, a lot of people are commenting that they had. Uh, oh wait, here's here's a good one. This is actually my brother, but uh, he was officiating a wedding last weekend and he called the bride crazy. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm curious how she takes it. Happens, right? And right, it happens. You have these gaffes. It just comes out. Yeah. That is funny. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, um, before we get into the whole conversation, because I think two of the things we're going to hit on that are really important are this whole engagement versus interaction, because I think that's important, especially as we're talking about virtual events and things like that, um, but also kind of the human centricity of what we're trying to do when we communicate and really keeping the audience at the center of it. But before we did, let's lay out, because one of the things I always want to do with people is so in captive, right? What yep. is Obviously, yes, we're talking about communication, presentation, virtual events, and all that. But when people say what is in captive, what is it? Yeah. At its core, it's an audience engagement tool. And okay. so what that means is you can use it for your presentations. You can use it for your events. It's a very robust platform that can be used in person or virtually. And basically, we're a delivery mechanism. You would upload your PowerPoint or whatever you're using right into a captive and use it to push out to your audience. But instead of talking at them, it uses their devices to pull them into the conversation and make them part of it. And interact with you through certain interaction tools, but it also has tools in there that help the presenter understand how they're doing so they can improve their presentations and their delivery over time. Okay. And that's on the presentation side, but we carry that same thing through into the events world, offering that full end-to-end -end spectrum from agenda to networking to expos to content within the events side of it. Okay. Well, and that's, and we're going to dive pretty deep into this one, but I think that was when we first met the, the consumer side of it, right? The presentation component was the part that was, we were really originally planning on talking about most of the time. I think the virtual events is now going to be a big part of what we talk about. But one of the things you brought up that was unique about it was the fact that there, there's tools out there that you can get interaction, Right. There's tools where you can get, oh, you know, respond to this poll, ask this thing. But to your point, when I looked at what you were doing within Captive, it was different than just, hey, make people click a button or, you know, throw a word out and then you just move on as though that didn't really happen. But it really was designed to help shape the presentation. So when you were creating this, is that was that one of the big problems you were trying to solve? Yeah, you know, I'm a communicator at heart. My master's is in interpersonal communication. I taught communication and public speaking at the college level. I'm a public speaking and communication coach. So I have a business that I consult with and coach people on that stuff. And so I just kept seeing that technology was just very much set up for interaction and for all the bells and whistles and bells and whistles and what I call feature stuffing, right? Just shove as many features in there as you can, because if people are clicking buttons, they must be happy, right? But there is truly a difference between interaction and engagement. You know, at its core, engagement is holding someone's attention and um, getting their interest and having them take something away from that, right? Whereas, um, so it's more active on the the attendee side of like wanting to be engaged and wanting to be involved with that content and the takeaway, whereas interaction is actually an act of doing something. So it's like clicking or moving or using an emoji or answering a poll. And so I asked myself, how can we use the technology to, yes, drive those interactions, but make those interactions more meaningful um, and so that people take away from the presentation or the event, what it is you actually are trying to get out there. So whether you're speaking to inform or educate, or you're speaking to persuade, maybe you're trying to sell something, whatever your purpose for speaking may be, how do you live that purpose through the technology and not just make it about clicking buttons and wow, that was fun. 
Yeah. Because that novelty of the interaction starts to wear off over time. It does. It does. And the thing about it, there's two things that I would follow on top of that with is one, this is very transferable, not just to presentations. I mean, I look at, right, a big part of this audience is learning and development people. And we see this in other areas too, right? When we design digital content or, I mean, I know some of the marketing folks that, that watch, right? We design websites or different things where it's like, yeah, you can get people to click or you can get them to do something but for what end, right? Is it actually driving a purpose or is it simply interactivity for the sake of interactivity? And if it's the second, it's not necessarily adding any value. And again, I think that's what you get at where the novelty wears off and it's not really gonna do that. And I think the bigger point is, and this is something that we talk about a lot on here is, it's about thinking about what is the end goal in mind. And on the communication side, Right. You, you mentioned that. Right. Is it to motivate? Are we trying to motivate? Are we trying to inform and educate? Are we trying to pursue? Like, what are we doing yeah. and work backwards from there instead of going, let's just do a thing and then let's try and get as many people to, to click or interact or do whatever they they want along the way? Yeah. OK, so so as you went on this journey, I, I'm curious, so you, you did this, and I have to imagine COVID, well, we talked briefly about this. COVID probably blew things up pretty quick, because when you started this, it was, let's create this tool, this app that allows presentations to be more engaging and drives engagement. Suddenly, there weren't a lot of in-person presentations happening anymore. <laughs> I had to imagine you had to move relatively quickly and think differently fast. Yeah, we did. We knew that we had to do something to get people in the virtual space being able to use this. And our first step was just a simple integration with Zoom, right? So we said, how can we, we don't have live video streaming in our platform. That's going to take a little while to build out. But in a matter of three days, we were able to say, all right, let's build this little integration where you can put in your Zoom link or your GoToMeeting link, okay. your WebEx link, your Google Meet link, whatever it was, any URL for a web-based platform, plug it right into Encaptive. And then what that does is it would push it out. And when people joined your captive presentation, they'd get a little video button that would pop up that would then launch that video in a separate window. So they could see and hear you, but also follow along and interact okay. and engage through captive. We realized quickly that that was a short term fix because yeah. trying to run two different things can be a little cumbersome. So it met the immediate need, but not the long-term need. So now we have fully embedded video live streaming in our platform that can be done via a webcam. We still offer that integration for people maybe want to push things out to a third party for the video. But we also have, um, in working with event producers and planners, we have a live RTMP feed input. So if you have a professional video production company that you're using, you can send highly produced video straight through the platform as well. Okay. Okay. So you're getting into the event space, which, which again, we're going to, we're going to dig into this one because there's no shortage of stuff to hit on there. Um, and I look forward to hearing more about it. Um, on the engagement side though, let's go back to the consumer side or, or the presentation. Cause that was, I, I actually remember thinking when COVID hit, I knew we had this coming up and I went, that's going to be a big pivot, right? Because a lot of these tools are designed for, yeah, everybody's in the room and you can do this. And suddenly they're not in the room. So it's great to hear you were able to quickly make that. But I want to go back to some of the features or things that, you know, we talked about and actually uh, Shrada brought this up, right? It, when it comes to engagement, it's it's about the purpose behind what you're doing and then combining that with interaction. And yeah. that, that's how we're bringing that together. So yeah. what were some of those things that you said, hey, other things, there's interaction, but this is how we can make it engaging. Because I have to imagine it's a combination of a tool thing, right? The tech can do it, but you have to blend that with the person actually delivering it. Because if they yeah. still aren't understanding that, they can still be driving interaction even with the greatest. Yep. And so there's several things that we do and we don't do. We talked a little bit about the feature stuffing in, in the backstage prior to this. And so one of the things we've done is every room that we have, our, our standard product is one room type, which is okay. a content or educational style room where you have a slide share. And we very specifically use slide share in that instance over screen share. We do have screen share being added in as well because we realize in the virtual world, there's demos and things that need to be done. So that'll be, that's in testing right now. It's about to be rolled out. So you're but, loading your slides into the tool. 
Yep. So you're loading your slides into the tool. If you have a PowerPoint, it pulls in all your slides and all your notes and everything. Um, and so we we separate that from the video and the video is live streamed and the um, presentation is going and they can control all that at the same time. But then we left things out purposely like chat. So if this is an educational session and you look at the research, people can't read, which is why you shouldn't have a bunch of words on your slides. People can't read and listen and learn and chat all at the same time. It just doesn't work. So if you're trying to use this for educational purposes, we've set it up so that people can see your slides. They can take notes. They can ask questions that go to the presenter, right? The presenter can see those questions. Presenters can integrate polling in there so that they can poll the audience and check in with the audience throughout the presentation. Um, and the presenter also gets real-time feedback through an emoji set from the audience. So whether you're a teacher or your presenter, people can tell you whether they're liking things, loving things, bored or confused. Just as an example, I had a professor using it that after class, he said, let's go look at the results. And there was a section and I had sat through the class where he's like, does everybody have it? Should I move on? And of course, students didn't say anything. We went back after class and because that was anonymous for the attendees to be able to click that, for the students to click that, there was a section in there where he got a lot of confused. And he said, this is really good because now I know next class, before I move on to something else, I need to cover this again. So we're thinking very purposefully about what features go in each type of room and why, so that it can be structured in a way that maximizes the purpose of that interaction and makes it more engaging um, throughout the platform. And like we have different session types we're gonna be releasing. Right now they're only available in events, but we'll be releasing them as well on the consumer side, like social sessions for networking yeah. or fireside chat and more interactive sessions where Maybe you're not having slides that you're using or anything like that. You want to have more of a discussion like we're doing here. In that case, having a chat is viable because you want to get your audience involved. And when is it appropriate to have the video where you can see and hear your audience versus not have it and just rely on that chat? So okay. uh, we try to think through how do use people cases. I mean, it's really use cases, right? These are, these yeah. are specific use cases where you're saying, hey, when you're trying to do this, this is the best way to do that. Yep. And we, we watch it and we adapt and we learn over time. We listen to user feedback. We sit in when users allow us to, to sit in on their sessions and things like that. So we can see what's working and where people are struggling and maybe need um, modifications to it because it doesn't translate one-to-one -one offline to online, but we try to think about those communication best practices to wrap them into how we develop the technology. Okay. Interesting. You know, it's funny because when you said that, at first when you were talking about removing the chat, right, one of the things that I was thinking is like, but so often people feel that interaction. But again, it's about what is the intention of the session, right? If the session's intention is, listen, the goal of this is I'm delivering information to you. And yes, you can ask questions, but really this isn't about everybody interacting and doing that. That's a separate intent versus a more fireside chat interactivity thing like this where you know I'm reading the comments and people are kind of chatting amongst themselves along the way if this yeah. is some meaty presentation coming from I guess like right it was a professor you don't want everybody sitting there talking to each other and you know doing this you're like you need to be paying attention to this because this is really critical information so yeah. I like the idea that you know and it sounds like this is coming the ability to say it, it really fits to this outcome mindset right which is what is the outcome you're looking to drive? with this session, yep. and this will actually help you drive that outcome because it's designed, tailored for this, instead of expecting people to understand how to make most web-based tools do that for them, because the reality is most people don't, right? They just yeah. don't know how to customize it or take the time to. Yeah. So when you, I'm curious when you work with people on this, or you know, you're obviously a communication coach, you do this kind of stuff, not everybody just naturally is good at that. <laughs> Actually, probably most people aren't, right? That's a, It's a skill that you develop over time and you learn. What are some of the areas that for people doing the presentations that you commonly like help them say, hey, these are, these are different things to think about or ways to approach this? Because again, you can have right that perfect tool set, but if you're still just going and not really engaging with anything, you're gonna end up with the same outcome. 
Yeah. You said we only have an hour, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, four so, minutes now, but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll hit on just a couple. One okay. is being audience centric. Okay. Um, and the second is your visual aids. And I'll start with the audience because that's always the most important thing. It's to think about um, you're not talking to a room full of yourself. You're talking to a room full of other people. And a lot of times I see that people are like, well, this is what I want to talk about. And this is what's important to me. And this is what I care about. And your audience is sitting there going, oh, my gosh, somebody just put me out of my misery. <laughs> right. Yep. Because they're not there to listen to you. Just talk about what interests you. They're there to learn or engage or be motivated or inspired. So you need to understand who's on the other side of that and why those things are important to your audience. And then it's it's like we were talking about backstage. You don't necessarily have to change the core of your messaging, but you change the way in which you package it and deliver it. And you add relevant stories and relevant information that are of interest to your audience. I always tell people when they're setting up any kind of presentation or talk to find the sweet spot. And what the sweet spot is, is where you first and foremost look at who is that audience going to be? What are their interests? What are their wants? What are their needs, pain points, all of that stuff, do an audience profile. And then you look at what are my knowledge areas? What are my interests? What do I care about? And you basically create a little Venn diagram. Where do those three things overlap? Where those three things overlap, that's your sweet spot. Those are the things you should be talking about. Um, and focusing on. And then you make everything all about the audience and you add in, like I said, the relevant stories and things like that to, to pull them in and keep them engaged. Always think about with them, what's in it for me and not for you as the speaker, but for your audience. Okay. So that's, that's the first one. And then the second one is related to visual aids. Like I mentioned, a lot of people just throw a bunch of bullets up on a slide. And <laughs> no, that never happens. No, PowerPoint slides never look like TLDR. I've never seen that. So, and I've actually had this conversation with people and I say, I don't want to offend you. Um, and I don't know if this is what you're doing, but your PowerPoint slides aren't for you. They're for your audience. They're there to help reinforce your message. So this is not your presenter notes. There is a notes section in PowerPoint. There's a notes section in Encaptive. Um, and so you should use the notes for you. Use the slides as a visual aid to reinforce your message. Because again, people can't read and listen at the same time. And if you're putting everything up on that slide that you're gonna say anyway, your audience is generally saying, well, why am I sitting here listening to this? I could have read that in about five minutes instead of sitting through in a one hour. An hour, one hour webinar. <laughs> yeah. So so it's, it's not about putting a bunch, and there is something called the six by six rule, no more than six bullet points, six words per bullet point. Then you add a header to that and you're talking about 36 plus words on a slide. That's still way too many. Go with images and as few words as possible um, in your visual aids and choose things that will people can get in a split second and it will reinforce the words that you're sharing with them. Yeah, they should be. Well, and, and what's funny is I'm going to I'll add to this. I, I LinkedIn user. I think this is boss. I'm not sure who it is. But anyway, it is kind of a what's in it for you. But when you're saying it, it's it's not you as in you. It's you and being able to articulate to them hey, this is what is in it for you so that they understand what to expect. Yeah, and that's how you kick off your presentation, right? You start with a hook, which is where you let your audience know right off the bat, this is what's in it for you. Like, and so that they're sitting there going, oh, I get you. Or, or no, sorry, you get me. Right. There we go. You get and if me. you don't, they can leave. <laughs> It's, it's, oh, you get me. And, yeah. oh, I can tell within this first 30 seconds to a minute that you understand why I'm here, what I want to get out of this. And now I'm interested and I'm going to stay and listen to you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and on the topic of this, because one of the other things about the tool itself that was, uh, that I thought was really valuable for, for, you know, facilitators, presenters, things like that was the data that you were getting back. Because mm -hmm. that is one thing that I, I think a lot of times, and, and this maybe goes back to the not thinking about the audience first, but so frequently people don't pivot based on their audience, right? They've got, they've got, well, this is the information that I want to get through and I'm going to get through it in this order. And so I'm just going to charge through it. And you know, you're watching people fall asleep. You're getting this stuff. 
and and they just keep going. They just keep going. And it's like you need to adapt. But this is actually helping them get that feedback in real time, correct? So that they can yeah. see, hey, I'm losing it or they're they're getting confused, actually allowing them to personalize the session more than they would if they were just trying to read body language. Yep, absolutely. Because sometimes body language is not always clear, right? Just because yep. someone's sitting back like this doesn't mean they're bored. They may be really like taking in an interesting point that you said, right? And so with the way we display it to the presenter, we display it in a nice little chart, nice and easy. So you're not having to read through comments and all of that. But let's say your board line starts going up all of a sudden or your confused line starts going up all of a sudden. If you pay attention to that, you can pivot on the spot. You can say, all right, I see a lot of confused coming in. I'm going to stop for a second. I want to ask the audience a couple of questions now and yes. see what it is that I can do to help make more sense of this topic. Right. And that was very much part of making sure we put that in there. We actually started with a comment box and through market research, people were like, I, I'm not going to be able to read through all the comments. It's too much. How can we make this simpler? And that's okay. why we went that direction. Do you have do you have some wireframes or something that we can pull up to look at it? Yeah, sure. Let me. I mean, uh, here we're talking about these features, and yeah, you can do this, and it, it does this, and we did this based on user feedback, and then I'm sure everybody's going great. <laughs> what does that look like? So while you're while you're pulling that up, you know, one of the questions that came up, and I'm curious if you've got some insight on this, because I do think sometimes this is a challenge, especially in the virtual space, is you can have pretty big audiences of people that you may not necessarily know their profile, right? Who who is out there, which can make it more challenging to know, right? Well, what what is it in it for them? How how can I tailor this or how can I think about them? Have you found ways to, you know, encourage people to to root that out or kind of capture that information either ahead of time or even during to be able to to pivot better? Um, sorry, I was pulling that up. So can you ask that question again? Yes, I absolutely can. I said so in, in online webinars or just in the online space, a lot of times you may not necessarily know who that audience is, which yeah. can create some additional barriers to figuring out, well, how do I tailor or personalize this to the audience? Have you found tips and suggestions or you know, are there are there good ways to do that quickly so that instead of waiting till the end and go, whoops, totally missed the mark, you can actually yeah. bring that in? Yeah, you can set up simple registrations and listen, if you're not, even if it's a free event and you don't want to have to use an Eventbrite or anything like that, you can easily set up a Google form or something and just have, you don't need to make it intense because if it's intense, people aren't going to fill it out. But you can There's just 37 make, questions to answer. <laughs> right. Four or five questions, starting with name and email address, which everybody expects to put in in some kind of registration, okay. especially for online. But then adding something like, um, what is, why did you sign up for this webinar? What do you want to learn today kind of thing? Um, what's most important to you? Things like that. Just ask some general two or three high level questions about what's important to them. Why did they sign up for the webinar? And then that helps you get a profile of them. You can ask, you know, what is their um, current business role, right? What do they do for a living? What's your career um, line? And that helps you understand your audience too. So just a few simple questions that most people are more than happy to answer. Then before you go into your session, you can really tailor your content to make sure that you're meeting that. And then you can also use the polling features for yeah. that. I love to encourage people to start out a session with a poll, because if you start out a session with a poll, then what you can do is ask for ask a couple of questions starting right out. What do you want to learn today or what's most important to you? You can list out three or four topics that you plan to cover and have them choose which one is most important to them. Different things like that is really good way to get a pulse of your audience, even if you don't have the opportunity to do it ahead of time. Okay. I think those are great tips and it goes back to everything we've been saying, which is about being intentional about the why behind what are you trying to do? I think a lot of times people do registration forms purely for, well, we want the name and email address, but it's like, well, maybe yes. And what else might you be able to capture? And the, the one you mentioned was one I was going to mention if you didn't bring it up. I do it all the time because, right, if I go speak at something and it's not my event, I may not have all that data. Yeah. But I opening with polls based on what I know I'm planning on covering to gauge, right, how far along is the audience and their maturity on this? How much do they already know about this topic? Things like that. So if you've got an audience of people that 
have never even heard the term learning experience platform, you probably just don't want to dive in on assumptions that, okay, this is all covered. You're going to, you're going to go into that a little differently than you would if everybody said, yes, I've implemented 10 of them. Right. And yeah. I think those are powerful ways to, again, not change your message, but change the way you deliver it and how fast you might move through it. All right, let me pull this up. Let's take a look at what this looks like. All right. So this is the, this is like the, I don't, I don't know how you're differentiating. There's the virtual events and there's presenter, right? Something like that. Yeah. So this is the audience view. Okay. Uh, if we're looking at just a content style session, this is what the audience would see. You've got your video over here that can be live streamed and in the events mode, and you can switch between presenters on the back end and stuff. And then you've got your slide share here where people can see your slides. Um, audience members can go back, but they can't skip ahead. Okay. So that if there's something they wanted to go back to and really bookmark it or pay attention to it, they can. And we have added this bookmarking functionality here where they can come back after the fact. And Captive automatically records everything and makes it available immediately after the session is over so that people can log in and see it um, again. And so we save all of the attendees notes and questions and everything for them. So you don't have to worry about sending that out after the fact. But when they bookmark things, they can then go back in and just sort by bookmarks. So if there were things that were really important to them, they can just sort it down and say, I want to review those specific things again. Um, and then here's the emoji set we were talking about with okay. where they can give feedback. I'll show you what that looks like on the presenter side of things. And then, of course, they can ask questions and participate in polls. And as a presenter, you can show those poll results in real time coming in. And what it does, it just replaces where the slides are. Um, and you toggle that on and off as you see fit. So we don't attach it to a specific slide or event within your presentation. We make it more flexible for the presenter because that's also been kind of a pain point and an annoyance of, but what if I don't want to do my results then? Or what if I want to show them again later? I have to go back to that slide to show them. So we've made it very flexible okay. in that aspect. Got it. Um, let me pull up. The and Martin, just to, just to answer the question, Martin asked the question, what's the name of the app? It's called Incaptive. Correct. Yes. In captain. Okay. And yeah. Let me pull up the. I'll just show the other you. side, right? The presenter side. The other side. Yeah. Let me go back and share my screen again. All right. Okay. So this so we saw. We just saw the consumer side of what that is. And one of the things you mentioned that I think is, <laughs> you hear it all the time, right? How many presentations at the beginning of the presentation do you hear? Well, we receive these slides at the end. Right. Cool. And, and now you can kind of proactively say, so anybody who's a participant gets this and not only gets the slides, but gets their notes, anything they took along the way. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Um, and those notes are private to the attendees. The presenter will not see those. Okay. But all of the actions that the attendees take, they um, calculate into an engagement score. So we have an algorithm that calculates an engagement score for each attendee. And there's a lot of different things that go into that. It's not just the interactions and the clicking, but also how long they're in the presentation and how many slides they've actually viewed and a number of other factors to really try to figure out how engaged someone is. And we report that out on zero to 10 for every single um, attendee at the end of the presentation as well. And we also use that for um, calls to action, which I can talk about in just a second. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things, and I remember when we first had this conversation, part of the reason that that interested me on the analytics side is for your own personal development, right? If you're trying to become a pre better presenter, you want to improve your skills, it's actually giving you meaningful data on, hey, were the people you were presenting to engaged did they did, were they along for the ride or no did you did you just completely lose them which sometimes can be hard to take but it's valuable feedback on okay i thought i was really great <laughs> i thought it went fantastic clearly i was the only one who felt that way yeah <laughs> yeah and so you can really start getting that feedback and it's um it's really helpful because Right now, we depend on feedback surveys, and a lot of times those don't get turned back in. Your likelihood of getting them turned back in if you're doing it electronically after the fact is below 50% internally, below 20% externally. Right. And so if you do it on the spot, you're going to get 
most people in the room turning it back in. Um, and what we've done is we've built it in with our calls to action. It's one of the options that you can push out a feedback survey that pops right up on your attendee screens that they can see right then and there and fill out and submit. And um, other calls to action you can use, like if you're talking about your you're a consultant or a business person talking about your business and you want people to sign up for a consultation with you or schedule an appointment, you can push that out to them. Okay. You can sell things through the platform, have them follow you on social media. There's lots of different calls to action you can use. Okay. And you can either choose to use one call to action for everybody. So maybe feedback survey is most important to you. You can push that out to everybody or you can set engagement thresholds and say, I want anyone between a zero and a three. Maybe those are low engagement people to fill out a feedback survey. Anyone okay. between a three and a six to sign up for my email newsletter and anybody above a six to get an offer to buy something from me. Okay. Right. You can really you can personalize. That. You can even personalize the, Hey, not only were you here and you were engaged, but based on your engagement, I I actually want to push something to you that is going to either improve, you know, what I'm doing or two, maybe based, like you said, if you're, if you're a consultant or something like that, if somebody's super engaged, obviously there's an opportunity there for their interest to move forward. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. And you can see that this view for the presenter is very similar to the view for the attendees with a few differences. Obviously, you have your video controls here and your screen share, which is yeah. coming very soon. Um, and then you have a presentation clock that goes from green to yellow to red to let you know when you're running out of time. It won't shut off on you, but it'll let you know green <laughs> to red, time's up. Kills the session. Sorry, it's <laughs> too long. We're out. <laughs> yeah. And then this is how you would see those analytics coming in, right? It's just a quick okay. snapshot. And some people told us, listen, we don't want to be looking at that. Fine. You don't have to look at that view. You can switch over to your slides, which is nice because you can just jump around from slide to slide uh, very easily by clicking on the slides. You can keep it on the question viewer polls view you have control over that on the back end yeah. see, i can see that i can see potentially if the analytics was up the whole time becoming obsessed with right <laughs> you almost become so laser focused on that you're not actually paying attention to what you're supposed to be doing in the audience and by default right you start losing people because all you care about is whether they're engaging okay yeah and we do send an indicator so when new questions come in not only does it show here but um, you'll get a little indicator letting you know when there's unanswered questions that have been added. So it kind of gives you a visual indicator. Switch over to the questions tab so you can see those audience questions that have come in. Okay. And are they, and this is just a tactical question, um, is when it comes to this stuff, is this something that you're, you're preparing this session ahead of time, right? You're not doing this live on the fly. So in terms of polls or getting your slides, this isn't something that, because again, to me, this is one of the challenges I often see where presentation tools, where your slides aren't there, you haven't prepped it. You're trying to do this on the fly. So now you're adding one more thing as a presenter. Yeah to try and make sure, okay, I've got to make sure my slides are, oh, I need to do a poll. I need to go over. I'm now distracted by all these things, which I feel like in the virtual space, even more than in person, every moment counts. Like if, yeah. if you lose people for a second because you got distracted with a poll that blew up, you, you might lose a large part of your audience. Yeah, absolutely. You set all of it up ahead of time. There are some use cases where it would make sense to be able to create a poll on the fly. Um, but really, we try to have everything preset up because when you think about putting together a presentation, one of the things that people fall down on a lot for that is it's just like prepping for anything else, right? Uh, people don't create an outline. They don't think through what the content should be and how it should flow and how it should be delivered and all of that. And when should I strategically use polls to break it up, right? People are going to listen to 10, 15 minutes and they need something to break it up, throw a poll in there, right? So they don't, you have to strategically think through that roadmap of your presentation ahead of time. And so that's why we have you set everything up ahead of time and, um, but still give you some flexibility in there as yeah. to when, how you display that and use it. Okay, got it. Well, so let's trans transition over to the events piece because to okay. me, this is something that has <laughs> gained rocket fuel in the last several months, right? Is, is people are moving from this idea that, well, we have these events, these events are happening, but now the way we've done events historically, 
we, we can't do anymore. And unfortunately, I think in many regards, a lot of people were caught off guard with this. I talked to a lot of different event yeah. people and, and some were doing it, um, but it wasn't necessarily high priority or it was kind of something they did over here. Yeah. And now that's their only option. And so they're trying to figure out how do we do this well, because we still need to do these events. It was a, for some companies that was their main source of revenue. Yep. But we can't lose the quality of the event. And in many cases, I've I've been a part of some where you go, oh, this was not this was not a great experience. So was this something that was in plan before you before COVID, or was this something that you went, hey, I we got to ramp this up now? Uh, a little bit of both. A little right? bit of both. <laughs> So pre-COVID, we had already been working on our events aspect of the platform. So instead of having a single presenter type of thing, we kept seeing a need for uh, the content delivery for events and presentations where there's multiple presenters or multiple presentations happening during a specific event or meeting or something. And so the way our software worked previously, people had to log into this presenter's presentation and then put in a code to log into the next one and the next one. We said we need a seamless thing to kind of handle content for multiple presenters, multiple sessions happening at the same time. So we had already started working on that content aspect for events, and we were actually going to roll it out earlier this year at a big event, 15,000 person event, where they could have basically their event app already handled all the networking and the scheduling and the agenda and all of that. So we didn't want to compete with that, but where there was a big hole was um, tracking the content and the content delivery and getting the analytics around um, which speakers and which sessions were best attended and um, how people liked and received the content, which content was best received, which content was not received so they can help with their succession planning for the next year. Yeah. And so we already had that in the works and we're getting ready to roll that out. And then COVID happened <laughs> and we said, speed it up a little bit. <laughs> well, what we said is we can't just have the content piece because we started yeah. going back to the customers and started having the discussions and realized in the virtual world, you have to be a full solution because they're not going to have multiple solutions for an online event. They want one login, one place for people to go that handles it all. And the good news was we had the foundation of our product there. Um, we did have, uh, sorry, something just kicked me out. Am I still here? Oh yeah, you're still here. Okay. My computer kicked me out of it and then put me back in. All right. So gotta love technology. <laughs> Yep. I would have let you know. I would have let you know and I would have covered for you had you just vanished. We would have just rolled with it just like we did in our in our icebreakers. <laughs> All right. So um but here I go. What was I saying? So um so we realized there needed to be that full end-to-end -end solution yeah. for it. And the good news was we had the foundation of everything there. The hard part was the content and the different room types and being able to think through how to do that both in an in-person world and a virtual world. Um, and so we just needed to wrap the rest of it around there. So we added in agenda, we added in a lobby and a lounge, we added in networking, and we've done some really cool things with networking instead of just forcing people into a giant Zoom room. Yeah. Now, you can break out and have sidebar discussions without leaving the bigger room as a whole and then jump right back in and keep networking. And uh, so we've really brought everything in, including the expos and live expo booths versus static expo booths and all of it. So um, it was a pivot in that we decided we had to have a full blown events application post COVID because just the content wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that, and again, I wasn't expecting that, right? We're backstage. You're like, Oh, by the way, right. We've now got this full event center. I went, Oh boy, we are going to talk about this one for sure. <laughs> as, as people have moved into the virtual event space, I will say it has been, and, and I, there's no, there's no, you know, negativity behind this. It's a journey, right? When you learn something new, you bump and you, you know, make mistakes along the way. And a lot of times people have just been focused on, well, all we can do is deliver content, yeah. right? Or, you know, so, so we'll just deliver content session after content session after content session, which 
can be rough, right? Mm -hmm. you, you cannot do a two day thing. And I think sometimes to help, they've tried to space it out. But yeah. when you really dug into it, what was interesting, you know, on the on two things that I really feel from the vert or in-person events that were missing, and and I've actually been really impressed with what you showed me so far. And so we'll we'll definitely bring it up was one, right? For a lot of companies, they have when they host these events, the purpose is for people to go see different parts of the product or go interact with parts of the company based on what's interested to them. Kind of that that booth thing you talked about. That's tough to do normally if you're like, okay here's the 10 different zoom links pick the zoom link you want to go right you're now creating a very subpar user experience where people are just gonna go i don't i can't remember which one right there's a lot of points of failure that can yeah. happen along the way and again in the virtual space you know somebody brought it up in the comments you only have windows of opportunity like windows of opportunity can completely disengage somebody so having yeah. them leave to go try and find another link in their email and remember which one to go to, there's a really good chance that they may just say, ah, never mind. I'm going to go make lunch instead because yep. they now lost them. And then yep. the other one that has rocketed to the top of, you know, polls and data that I'm seeing come out of everywhere is people miss the networking, right? Mm -hmm. They miss the opportunity to connect with people. And I think, again, we, we tend to put things in a box and we say, well, with, with tools, all we can do is just have everybody in a Zoom panel, which if you've got a hundred people or more, that is a that is a not so fun experience, right? Yeah. Listening to all that. And so I think yeah. the way you approach that has been very unique. And I and I'd love for you to pull it up just so we can see what some of that stuff looks like and we can talk about it in reality. Cause I, I'm I have a I'm a big fan of where VR is going. I mm -hmm. think it addresses a lot of things. But we're not there yet in terms of it being readily accessible. And I think what you're what you've built is a really unique bridge to that where some of these things are so important, you can actually do them. So let's do it. Let's talk about it here. Sure. This is different one, right? This is different than the presentation one. Yeah. So this, like I said, it's a full thing. We completely brand it with your colors, your logos, your banners. Um, we provide sponsor opportunities because that's really big in the event space. Um, yep. Having And these sponsor ads can be static per page or they can be rotating banner ads. We, we have flexibility there. And so when people enter an event, we, we have this welcome reception area that plays a video and um, welcomes them in. And that can be sold as a sponsorship opportunity as well. But then we have our main lobby. And in here is where you start to see this engagement scoring mechanism on the right hand side for our first step into gamification and um, using those algorithms to let people know how they're doing and you don't even have to have a prize some people have told us they want to give prizes to the top 10 people in there and so it encourages people to keep engaging with the event um but people just love seeing their name and lights in that top 10 there so okay. um, we have that I like, the, I like that you're both the leader and at the bottom of the chart depending on whether <laughs> <Okay>. you're <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I was trying to, I didn't want to call anybody else out at being number 38, <laughs> so I had to put myself number 38. <laughs> um, but then we have a recommender engine that recommends sessions to attendees um, okay. based on a different factors, based on things that they've added to their agenda or things that they've mentioned as interests or other sessions that they've attended. And you can they can just jump right in and start engaging with those sessions from the lobby if they want. Um, so you're really empowering them to decide, hey, this is an event. But similar, again, a lot of events, that's what people like. They could go to the things that interested them instead of being forced to go through, well, I, I have to be here for everything. And either I'm not here at all or I'm I'm here for everything. Yeah. And then you see this content session here, but we have several other session types, like I said. And then every time someone leaves a session, instead of pushing them back to this big overwhelming agenda, especially if it's a four or five day event, um, even a two day event, there can be a lot of sessions going on that they have to weed through and figure out. We make recommendations to them to keep them moving from session to session as opposed to going out and going, you know what, forget it. I'm going to go check some email or make some calls. I'll come back in an hour and see what's going on. Right. Yeah. 
So we make it so they can just hop right into the next one. And then this is an example of a different session type that would be either a panel or a fireside chat. And it's, you see it's speaker focused, not slide focused. And we do have a public chat here and polls and still notes. And then that social session that we were talking about, that networking opportunity comes in and it starts out kind of like a big Zoom room with a chat and you can add polling to that as well. Um, But the host can kind of kick things off with an introduction and mute everybody and then unmute. And we do have this matchmaking function where initially it's going to be random, but we are working on an algorithm there too to match attendees with other attendees that would be good for them to talk to based on their interests and why they said they want to attend the event, sessions that they've attended. But then you can start having these sidebar discussions by exploring people. Maybe you saw someone in the chat you wanted to have a side talk with or just randomly exploring people, you can review their information, invite them to a private chat, and you can have up to five people in these sidebar discussions or these private chats. And as you can see here, you're not leaving the room as a whole, just like you wouldn't in real life. It's um, almost kind of like your own private breakout room, but you have control of it. Yeah. Right? So you have the ability to say, well, who do I want to be in a breakout room with? And yeah. they have the option to say, no, thanks. Or yeah, it sounds great. Let's go chat. Yeah. And people can also say, hey, I see these two people are chatting. I want to jump in and you can either accept or deny them. Um, You can invite others. And then when you leave the chat, you come right back into the main room. So you're still part of the full room. You can see the video going. You can see the chat going. But everything else is muted from a um, sound perspective. So you're having that discussion with those people. So Um, what happens to the people in the in the big room, like when you go off in a private when you go off in a private session, do you, yeah. does your does your little image disappear? Do you, are you just still there, but you're muted? Yeah, so you'll see an indicator here that shows okay. that you're currently in a private chat. So okay. that they know this person's away and in a private chat right now. So you, your picture stays there, but it indicates yeah. like by graying you out or whatever that you're, you're in a private chat at that moment. Okay. And everybody else can keep chatting in this big room and... Yeah. So for the social butterflies that want to sit and talk to everybody and everybody all at the same time, they can. And then for those of us who are like, I'm at my social capacity, I just like (laughs) to go have a chat with so-and-so and and just talk about maybe what we took from the last session or get to know them on a more personal level. I can say, great, I'm going to go do that. And when I'm done, then I can come back to the group. And if need be, I can leave the, the networking session without having to necessarily get kicked out of the entire event. Yeah, absolutely. You can leave it and you can go right back into the agenda, for example, and start exploring things or say, these are the one I added to my agenda. So, oh, this one's coming up in a couple minutes. I'm going to jump into that one kind of thing. Um, So all that's there for the flexibility of the attendee. And it's all sortable and searchable and everything. Okay. Um, We also have an expo. We have two booth sizes right now. We're going to be working on um, additional ways to um, do this expoing online as well. But our first phase here is two booth sizes, an upgraded one and a standard okay. booth. But all the booths will have the capability to have live video in there. And again, people can pop in, they can chat with you. We highlight who's talking so you know who you're talking with and not going away. So you can staff that. a booth. You can actually staff a booth in, in the virtual world versus I know a lot of times you go to a virtual booth and you click on it. There might be a chat bot or something yeah. here and some static stuff, but you're not necessarily interacting with somebody from the organization. Yeah. So we have that away version too, where if you're not staffing the booth, your chat and everything still stays open with your call to action to send people to your website or whatever it may be. But we do have this live interactive booth capability where people can come in, they can talk with you, you can do demonstrations, screen shares, all of that um, in the live capacity in the expo booths with what we're doing. Okay. Um, And then we do. Oh, Oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, well, one question that that came up, and boss, I don't know, I think you have your privacy settings weird, but I know it's you because I saw the comments. But anyway, he was curious from an engagement score. We talked earlier about how really this whole thing is capturing data on you know how engaged people were and what did they do, and it's not just did they hit the like button. It's what was their whole experience? Is there engagement when they're doing the breakouts and things like that? Is that also kind of feeding in to that data set of, hey, how engaged were they? Did they actually take advantage of the opportunities they were presented? 
Yes, all of that feeds into the engagement score. And we're um, constantly looking at how we can improve our engagement score and adapt it. Uh, we've already made changes to it over time, just watching how people are interacting and what's working. It's really based on a credit scoring type mechanism where you start at a baseline and certain things make your score go down, other things make your score go up. Um, and so we're, we're constantly evolving that and improving that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, one, there's no shortage. Again, to me, this is one of the fascinating parts of technology is with technology, we're capturing all of this data in person. There's just no way to do it. You can't have somebody following people around, asking them constantly, you know, what are you doing or watching where everybody's going, but digitally you can, you leave a digital footprint with literally every interaction you have, which then can create a data set that it sounds like you're continuing to tweak the algorithm on, well, how does that data set impact how we define an engagement score? Yeah, and and really where this is, like I said, this was originally designed for in-person, the big difference, and it still works very well for hybrid or in-person events as well, okay. um, because that information wasn't getting captured at the in-person events, unless you were using yeah. beacons or check-ins or badge scanning and things like that. Um, and so the difference would be if you were using this for a hybrid event, for example, when you go into that room, instead of the booth being this active one, if you're there in person, we'd know that you'd see this video that you could watch before going to okay. the different, right? Okay. Same thing with the sessions. If you're going to an education session, you're only going to see the slides. You're not going to see the video as well because you're sitting in there listening to the speaker, right? And so now we can provide you the data and analytics around your audience for both the in-person experience as well as the yeah. online experience. So it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be just a online thing. If you had when the day comes, right, that, that we can have in-person conferences again, you would still have the ability to say, yeah, we can use this to augment and use this as our digital tool for participants so that we're capturing this data, so that we're able to help personalize the experience for them because i mean i i know i've done it you're at a conference you walk out of a room and you're like i don't really know what to go to next because i'm not really sure where this again would personalize and say hey based on you what you've done here are some other ones that might be relevant to you that are happening yep absolutely Okay. And then one question from Andy, and I think I know the answer to this, right? So I know Andy has a virtual event, virtual conference coming up in a couple months here, but this is, this is an all-inclusive, right? This is the all-inclusive virtual conference. So if somebody's planning something else, you wouldn't necessarily augment it with yours. You would say, no, you really should design the whole experience in and captive, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We have had people ask, can I use multiple and just one app or something like that? Yeah, but you don't necessarily need to because now this handles everything. The only thing we don't handle right now is registration. Okay. We will integrate with different registration partners and pull that data. People have done it different ways. They want to yeah. either CSV import or they want to do a direct um API or single sign-on type thing, we, we're flexible in doing any of those. Okay. So right there now. is a way to get it. It's just not yeah. built into the tool. So you're capturing yeah. your registration data somewhere else and yeah. then you're in you're integrating it in to actually create, you know, the profile and all that for the person. Yep, absolutely. Okay. And um, I know we're almost out of time, so I won't go into depth this, this week. We have attendee networking static as well with cards and bios and live active okay. chat. So you can chat with people via text chat. And we do have an entire page dedicated to sponsors and offers. So you can either do online offers or let's say you are actually back in person and there's a food hall or different vendors where they can go nearby to buy lunch and get 10 or 15 or 20 percent off. You can have all of that loaded into here as well. OK, okay. Yeah. got it. No, this was again, this was a this was a very pleasant surprise, right? When we when we were backstage and talking about what we were gonna talk to, because I think one, I think what you built for the presentation thing is is great, right? And I think that was part of the reason I originally brought you in and was gonna have you on the show, because I definitely see opportunity for people to do this and think differently about presentations uh, and, and the way they do that. But the virtual event piece this is uh and and i have the privilege because you said you haven't even started marketing this yet right <laughs> no. so there it's you go the <laughs> word of mouth and people have been calling and saying how can i sign up so uh, it's been exciting to see that but we are going to start getting the word out soon so this okay. is the 
big announcement. There you go. The cat Thank is you. out of the bag. Now this is going to be all over. And I've already seen the comments and messages flying in to my LinkedIn box of people asking questions. So um, I will I will be sure to, to follow up with you on, on any questions and let people know. But this has been awesome, Shannon. I really appreciate the time. Uh, thanks, yeah. everybody, for tuning in. I know it's been a double episode week. Exciting week next week. I've got Microsoft here talking about MS Teams and the new learning app. And then next Friday is all about artificial intelligence and the application to learning, talent management, and HR. So thank you, Shannon, for the time. Uh, great work with what you're doing. And uh, thanks, everybody. Have an awesome weekend.